0: Archie grabbed them and paraded past everyone with my pants from the day before. The (laughs) shame. Before we dive in, a warning. The content of this podcast may not be appropriate for some young listeners. This is real life and that means that sometimes it can be a little bit graphic. So listen on at your own peril. As a veterinarian, dog behaviorist, best-selling author, and trainer, over the past decade, I've had an obsession with transforming the behavior of dogs, understanding their brains, and creating practical strategies that you can implement easily at home. I know all too well when the dream you imagined when you first got your dog is far from your daily reality. In fact, out of the blue, a few months ago, my little dog Gorse was bitten by a dog 20 times her size. And suddenly our life of stress-free walks, a calm and cuddly household and being teammates was replaced with reactivity, anxiety and worrying about what's around the next corner. I'm Dr. Tom, this is the Help My Dog podcast and this is me documenting that journey of transformation, sharing my knowledge and experience with you and having a few laughs along the way. All right. Welcome, guys. I'm really, really excited because, you know, I have spent the past decade being obsessed with dog behavior, being obsessed with behavior struggles, being obsessed with transforming those struggles and getting owners really kind of not just closer to the dream that they imagined when they first got their dog, but actually living it each and every day. And I know how it feels when there's a mismatch between your life right now and that day-to-day firefighting and that feeling of dreading your walks and maybe even dreading interactions with your dog sometimes and that big gap of what you imagined when you first got your dog, which maybe was stress-free walks where, I don't know, maybe you're off-lead, on-lead. It doesn't matter. Going to a cafe and just being like, actually, I'm going to meet some friends at a cafe. I'm going to meet some friends at a pub. Um, generally, my dreams involve pubs. And, um, and really just kind of not making everything a military operation. And I especially know it really well right now because, well, a few months ago now, my little dog Gorse she got bitten and she got bitten by a dog about 20 times her size and that resulted in considerable injuries but not only physical injuries which she's now recovered from and i'll fill you in on that in a second um, but also actually Injury to her behaviour and injury to her mental health, right? And what that led to is, whereas before we had these stress-free walks, we had a dog that was actively calm and wanting to chill out in different environments. And we we're kind of really a team going through life, you know, saying yes to experiences. Instead, what we have is anxiety reactivity, a fair bit of barking and lunging and that feeling which I bet many of you can relate to even now or at some point in the past where you're worried about what's around the next corner or you're picking experiences based on how you think your dog might react. So if you have a dog that Right now in your life it feels like you're fitting a square peg into a round hole and you've got struggles and they're you know, they're screaming out, I can't deal with this situation. Maybe they've been described as naughty, stubborn, and maybe even that you've been told that there's no hope. Well this is the place for you because what we're going to be doing over the course of I don't know how many episodes is I'm going to be sharing my insights into dog behavior and actually how to transform that as a vet, a behaviorist and a trainer and best-selling author. But also, actually, I'm going to be sharing my journey. My journey with Little Gorse, who right now is definitely not the pretty picture. And I think sometimes we, you see, you know, lots of things online of these perfectly behaved dogs who, you know, you're looking at them and you're like, I can't relate to that because my dog is so far from where that dog is at that I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to close the gap. And that's what we're going to be sharing in the Help My dog podcast. Now a bit of a background on Gorse. She's a little miniature dachshund. She was the most adorable little puppy and sweetest little thing. Would not do any harm to anybody and a few months ago we were on a walk and the worst happened where from nowhere a loose dog um, really kind of managed to catch her let's say um, and caused damage through a bite. Now the challenge with that is the dog was like 20 times her size. You know, Gorses, she weighs about 2.5 kilos. Like, she is tiny. And, and so, considerable damage was done, and it was really traumatic. It was traumatic for her, it was traumatic for us. Um, and we were left with a situation where we're like, we don't recognize the dog that, you know, is now here. Like, she's not carefree, she's not relaxed, she's not super happy and optimistic. Instead, she's quite worried about the world. Now, We dive into a little bit of teaching and we have a little look at, you know, what is going on because ultimately this podcast is not so much just about, you know, this is what we did in the last week. It's actually about you understanding dog behavior and practically what to do about it so that you can implement these things at home. Because ultimately, if it's if what you've been trying is difficult and it's it's kind of gruelling and you've not been seeing the results. Well, I can guarantee that through the course of this episode or all the future episodes, you're going to learn things that are going to supercharge your results. They're going to speed up the progress. You're going to get momentum because we've been doing this for a little while. Okay. So. Gorse, what has happened well she had a trauma now what does that mean in terms of the brain well you're practically you i'm quite geeky i don't know if you guys are quite geeky if you're quite geeky too then you're in the right place and you know the other thing to say is that if something seems complex, then probably the person's not explaining it very well. So, if ever I don't explain anything very well, and you're like, "I don't understand this," then drop us an email, and we'll explain it even better. Okay? <laughs> so, what has been found in in the literature through functional MRI studies and all these super cool things that you don't need to worry about is that actually, when a trauma happens to an animal, the brain changes. Okay? So, um, the two, there are really three brain areas that seem to be impacted by and you don't need to remember these you can put the pen and paper down uh, but they are the amygdala the hippocampus and the prefrontal cortex now the ones that i want to focus on and tell you about today are the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala is effectively like you know you might have heard it being referred to as part of the reptilian brain yeah the you know the prehistoric brain and it's all about fight or flight it's all about emotions it's all about um, getting out of danger okay so you know that fear response that anxiety that's going to originate from the amygdala and then there's the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is the, you can think of it, I guess, as like the sensible brain, the brain that's like all about problem solving and logic and and control. Yeah. And so there are these connections between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala, where the prefrontal cortex, like the sensible, in fact, I might just head to the whiteboard. I know that you're not going to see this on the podcast, but we'll stick it on social media as well. And so... The, the prefrontal cortex is like, you can think of it as like the mammalian, um, the, the mammalian brain, if we were thinking about the amygdala as the reptilian brain, right? And so the prefrontal cortex sits about here, and then we've got the amygdala here, which, re- which is the, like the little almond in the middle of the brain. And then if I just draw the brain around it, which basically for those of you who are listening to this, looks like a fluffy pink cloud, There we go. We have now a brain. It's officially a Tom podcast. Um, And so this prefrontal cortex is constantly kind of tempering the reactions to the that the, the amygdala has. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that Catherine Tate episode where there's you know tiny things happen and the lady screams and it's like you know the, the microwave pings and it's like ah, or uh, there's a knock at the door and she's like ah, <laughs> um, and the, you know we probably all have somebody in our life like that where jump where they jump out their skin at the tiniest of things. You could say that she has a very overactive amygdala and maybe her prefrontal cortex isn't quite doing its job. And so if we think about what happens to a dog after a trauma, we think about a dog that there might not have even been a specific trauma, but over time they've just become more and more reactive. Yeah, they're more in a reactive state. They're barking and lunging at other dogs. They're barking at the doorbell. Let me know if you can relate to this. They're barking at the postman or post lady. You drop a pen and they jump out of their skin maybe. Maybe that's one of your dog's struggles. What hap- what's happening is that the, the amygdala is getting more and more activated, more and more activated. And the challenge is, is that the more that amygdala goes, ah, yeah, the microwave pings. oh my gosh, what's going on? The world is ending the more it becomes active because the amygdala's job is, you know, to, to deal with like a war zone situation. The amygdala's job is to avoid pain and discomfort, right? And so it's in this reactive state to keep you safe, to keep that individual safe. You know, you think about Think about, um, you know, a dog after a trauma. Effectively, they just become like this prehistoric reptile that's like fight or flight. And you're like, no, you're a mammal. You're a mammal. Remember, you're a mammal. You're a mammal, Harry. I don't know if that's that's how it goes. Um, But the amygdala gets more and more and more active. And the other thing that happens is that these connections between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, which is like this sensible, um, sensible parent who's like, now, now, calm down, that was just the microwave pinging, they get disrupted. So instead, we've now got this amygdala that's just going totally unchecked by the prefrontal cortex because all of these connections have become disrupted. And the reason why that's happening is for survival, right? And so if we think about little gorse, and those of you that you know don't remember, little gorse, had a a trauma where she got bitten by a dog 20 times her size, her brain is just in a state of reaction. The brain is like, how do I avoid that happening again? And what we've got to do, and we're going to show you some strategies to achieve that, what we've got to do is actually say, hey, remember you're a mammal. Hey, that prefrontal cortex, let's re-engage it. Amygdala, calm down. (laughs) And so that bit of neuroscience you're going to find really useful in being able to work with your reactive dog. So actually now what is happening? What's happening, you know, practically speaking? Well, really there are three Things that are um, that, that are really prominent in, in working with a dog that's reactive. Okay, and I bet that if you're listening to this, your dog might be unpredictable with other dogs or maybe predictably bad. Maybe they struggle with being separated, maybe they um, maybe they don't like being handled at the vets, right? There'll be something where their brain is not work is not matching the situation. And so the first thing to be aware of is that dogs have an inherent optimism or pessimism, okay? So if I just give you a quick human example, right? You, uh, let me think of one. I'm gonna go for, um, I, took, I took my dog Thistle to the vets yesterday to get her growth measured, okay? Now, what I did is I presented a weird situation to you, an ambiguous situation, a strange situation. And if you think, if you think that's a weird situation, Wait, wait till you hear about these, these stories that listeners have sent in later because it gets very weird. Um, and based on your inherent optimism or pessimism, in this moment, so right now, which is probably based on what happened yesterday, if it was a busy day at work or a busy day with family or whatever else, you're going to interpret that. So you're going to decide, OK, is it that Thistle is a puppy and she's going to see how tall she's become? yeah the irony is thistle's a miniature dachshund so she she didn't really ever grow um is it instead that thistle's on a diet because she's obese and actually we're seeing if she's lost weight or if actually she might have even put some weight on or is it that thistle has a horrible cancerous lump and we're seeing how long she's got left to live right you know there's a full spectrum and right from optimistic to pessimistic. Now, you know that when a bad event happens, when something happens to you, unexpected, out of the blue, or maybe it's just constant barrage of bad things happening, yeah? Um, Sometimes reactivity works that way. Your dog's great one day and then slowly over time, you find that you're now in a very different place because there's lots of little bad things happening all the time, bad experiences. You're in a more pessimistic state. You're perceiving things to be something to worry to worry about. I don't know what was going on in that, with, with that particular character in the, the Catherine Tate show when you know, she heard the microwave um, ping and she was like, ah, what's going on? Um, but probably she was in quite a pessimistic state as well, right? And so we've got to realize that following that trauma, gorse was in a pessimistic state she was to be honest she she was even perceiving our movement to be something to worry about you know myself or my wife would stand up um from um i don't know from the sofa from watching like tv and she would like jump or she would bark yeah because the brain's just like don't let that happen again um equally you know Anything that resembled a dog, any you know silhouette of a dog, anything that had two legs, four legs, three legs, it really doesn 't matter, she would be immediately and extremely reactive to and so I guess we 've got to factor that into the plan. The second thing that we 've got to factor into this is that and it 's part of that brain um, those brain changes um that that we've that we 've been through. Um, but it's also relating to circulating stress hormone, is that every dog goes through life with a bucket, okay? And they carry this bucket round, and you're thinking, what bucket? I didn't know there was a bucket, but you're saying there's a bucket. Your dog has a bucket, I can promise you. And things pay into that bucket. Exciting things pay into the bucket, scary things pay into the bucket, and the bucket fills over time. Now, the thing is that, obviously, if your dog's reacting to lots of things day in, day out, their bucket's pretty full, and that bucket's close to overflowing all the time. So all it takes is that little like shot glass to pay into the bucket. Maybe the microwave pinging. Maybe I don't know you standing up from the sofa, and they're close to threshold, and that bucket overflows, and you get this extreme reaction. But it's not relating to the microwave pinging. It's not relating to you standing up from the sofa. Instead, what it's relating to is actually all the things that came before it. And that bucket takes time to empty. So the second thing that we've got to patch in, we've got the she's in a more pessimistic state, your dog's in a more pessimistic state. You've got your dog's got a very full bucket. And then the third thing that you've got to, to consider in this is that because the brain is in this really reactive state, they're in this state of, you know of actually you know there's danger around every corner where's the threat there's something to worry about They don't kind of do things by halves. You might have noticed this, right? They don't go, oh, I'm mildly worried about that dog over there. Oh, I'm mildly worried about my owner leaving the house. Instead, they go from zero to 100. And they go from zero to 100 because there have been those brain changes, which we can fix, we can rework, we can change. We're going to go through all of that over the subsequent episodes. Um, And you're going to be following Gorse's journey through it as well on the Help My Dog podcast. And what you find is that actually their default reaction to everything is 0 to 100. Their default reaction to everything is, I'm just going to go to level 1000 and lights on no one's home. You know, pupils dilated, barking, lunging, struggling, and you can't get through to them. And so when you've got that combination of three things, you've got your dog's more pessimistic. They've got a really full bucket. And the third thing is that they're going from zero to 100. We've got to fix those things first. We've got to work on those things first. Otherwise, any situation that we put them in, you're going to get reactivity because they're going to perceive it to be something to worry about, pessimism. The stress bucket's going to overflow because it's close to overflowing anyway. And they're going to go from zero to 100. Okay, so when I wanted to start this podcast, I really wanted it to be like a safe place for everyone because one, I know it's really lonely when you own a dog that is, you know, potentially a a little bit naughty sometimes. Um, And uh, two, it's really difficult to connect with other dog owners with naughty dogs because you can't have your dogs in the same room because it'd be chaos. right? Um, And so, you know, having consulted I don't know how many behavior cases um, over the past decade. And, and um, you know, the, with the behavior clinic seeing, I think we see about 400 behavior cases all over the world um, every single month. I know that it could always be worse. Right? I know that there, there's always somebody out there that is having a worse time than you right now, even when you feel like your world is falling apart. And so what I thought would be fun is if actually we hear some of these stories. We hear maybe the embarrassing ones, the cringy ones, the ones where you just want to curl up and pretend that you don't own your dog, right? So that we all can realise that we're really not alone. And ultimately, it could be worse. And so that kind of gave birth to the it could be worse section of the podcast. Now, um, I put a little shout out on my social media for and some embarrassing stories some stories that um, you would only ever tell if you could be anonymous and I was expecting to get I don't know like two or three or four maybe and um, I opened my messenger this morning and over 100 stories are in there um, and I've not, I've not looked at them um, and so um, I don't know have we got, have we got some to, to pick out guys? Juicy, oh my word. I've loaded them up on your laptop. Okay, they're all, okay. Right, let me just find them. Um, Okay, I'm excited. I mean, it's almost like you feel great just from someone else's demise. (laughs) Okay, right, I've got them. So, um, I'm gonna, okay. Um, (laughs) Right, let's do this. At the time, we only had a four foot fence between us and our neighbors, between the back gardens. Picture a beautiful, sunny morning. The neighbors went out for the morning and left a back kitchen window open. Mickey, said beagle, hopped the fence, somehow got through the window, ate everything from a buffet that had been left on the dining table for later, and promptly came home. We knew nothing. I think I'd have to move. (laughs) I would have to go. Um, The neighbors arrived home with guests, with guests, entered the house and were shocked to say the least. The only incriminating evidence from the crime scene, muddy paw prints all over the pristine white linen tablecloth. If Mickey had cleaned his feet, he would have committed the perfect crime. That would have been ideal. (laughs) Um, Awesome. I, you know it's actually just triggered me to remember a really embarrassing story that i will I'll tell you about in a second right let's see if there are any um, let's see what we've got next on here. this one's downloading uh, why are you downloading? I'll tell you mine quickly while um, while this one's downloading so I um, this was when I was about how old would I have been? I must have been about 17. So, you know, that age where you're, like, easily mortified. And um, and we had a, a lovely Portuguese water dog, family dog at the time. And I must have been younger, actually. I must have been about 16. Anyway. Um, and um, my um, my mum had got a new, supposedly a new lead for him, right? And it was a flexi lead. And I, even at that time, I knew that a flexi lead was probably not the right thing to be walking a you know a 25 kilo dog on there but it had this big sticker on the flexi lead um, that that said um, 20, 20 can hold 28 kilos okay so i was like okay and my mum was like no we'll walk him on this and i'm like okay well yeah we'll walk him on we'll walk him on that it does say 28 kilos on there and um, and so walked him to the park and he was on his flexi lead and um, and it, he, he was quite obsessed with water and he saw a lake and he just started to run on the flexi lead. And I, you know, you press the little button and I'm pressing the button and there was smoke coming from the flexi lead because i'm like pressing it and it's running and it's just there's like smoke coming from this thing but i'm like well at some point we're gonna run out of we're gonna run out of cable and so i'm like it's fine i still feel fine as he heads for the ducks in the lake right and so smoke coming from flexi lead he's heading for the ducks and it gets to the end and it just goes yeah and the the cable shot out at the end of the little thing. So now I have this just basically useless bit of plastic. He's running towards this lake. And as he gets close to the lake, I also notice that there are two fishermen just sat on these little like fold up camping chairs. And what he does is he jumps into the lake. He just has a good swim around the lake. But then he sees something outside the lake and he jumps out. He circles the fishermen in their chairs. So the, of course, they get tangled and then he runs and you just see these two chairs kind of collapse and these two poor old guys fall off their chairs and Luca's just running around looking, yeah, going crazy. And the, you know, the crazy thing is with that is that I was in that moment exactly like probably you described there, um, where you kind of just want to avoid um, even even acknowledging that that is your dog. Um, Right, one more. Oh, you got a good one? Yeah. Right, hold on. Okay, right. I don't know, should I anonymize the dog's gnomes? Um, uh, yeah, y- yeah, Patch, okay. Patch, my very first dog, a gold, a, a gorgeous golden Labrador retriever, discovered his bits for the first time. While, why is this a good one? While, while, ho- while I was hosting dinner for my four male neighbor friends, we were all startled. We were all startled by the weird noise he was making in his crate. When we turned to look, there he was. Why are you making me read this? there he was licking himself with such gusto that it was making him spin his body in circles. Same dog insisted on sniffing everyone's crotch when greeting. Once a male friend came in and as I closed the door, he suddenly shouted, will you get your head out of my crotch? As a single woman in an apartment building, I was watering. <laughs> I love it. Right, one more. Um, one more, one more, one more. Um, okay. Um, right, I don't know where this is going. We were at the vets and I dragged... Oh, okay, I'm following. Um, we were at the vets and I dragged my clothes on and ran out of the house after phoning for an emergency appointment. Alfie, I'll change his name to, Alfie had yet another thorn stuck in his eye. Ouch, poor Alfie. Um, They decided we needed ophthalmics. As I turned to take him to the car, my heart lurched as I realized (laughs) my previous day's knickers were in the leg of my trousers. Worse still, I was back out in the waiting room when they, when they appeared at my foot. What is going to happen? Archie grabbed them and paraded past everyone with my pants from the day before. The shame! <laughs> I love it. So, guys, um, I don't love it. That's horrendous, and I hope you changed vet practice. If I was your vet, I would, I would have been like, fully understand if you want to change vet practice right now. Um, so. guys, you know, that touches on something. It ends with the word, the shame. And I think sometimes as dog owners, we do get shamed. And what I want this podcast to be about is actually normalising the conversation around, not knickers from the day before, reactive dogs and naughty dogs and dogs that have struggles and ultimately dogs that just embarrass us each and every day because actually you're dog owning is not the destination it's the journey and you find that it has many ups and downs and ultimately if we're inviting an animal into our lives then we're kind of signing up for that and it's kind of part of the whole um the the whole thing so hopefully you feel a little bit better hopefully you now can kind of think it could be worse and if you've got a it could be worse story that you'd like us to share on the podcast please email it because these are these are the eye opening right um and so all you're gonna do is email um cringe at helpmy. dot dog so that's c-r-i-n-g-e at helpmy. d-o-g okay cringe at help dot dog and we'll you know what we'll, if if we get really good ones then there'll definitely be prizes involved so send them in awesome So let's think back to this reactive brain and this, you know, your dog's struggling with reactivity and that when I say reactivity, I want you to, not just think about you know reactivity to other dogs, but also think about reactivity to people, think about separation struggles. Maybe they just can't switch off. Maybe they just really struggle to be calm um, and your household is chaos. Maybe they're barking. Basically, if any of those things apply, or more creative ones um, like Patcher's story in his crate, which was delightful, gonna haunt me for many years, um, then... You're your home, right? This is where you're meant to be. And in terms of what we do about that, we've identified three underlying drivers, you could call them, like skills that your dog needs to learn. Where, yeah, right now they're pessimistic. Yeah, they've got a really full bucket. Probably their bucket's really tiny. Um, and it doesn't take much to overflow, right? And um, they go from zero to 100 anything and everything Catherine Tate style Ah! (laughs) and the nice thing about that is now that we've identified that we can do something about it and I see this day in, day out, right? The whole Behaviour Clinic team see this day in, day out. We're a team of um, 10, over 10 now, um, vet professionals and behaviourists seeing referral behaviour cases, the cases that actually it's been deemed that there's no hope. It's been deemed that, um, the you know, the owner's been shamed so many times, been told there's nothing that they can do, probably tried numerous things already, and we see results with those cases. And so, Part of the mission of this podcast is actually to say, look, whoever's told you there's no hope, there absolutely is hope. And the reality is, is that your dog is the victim of the situation. Not everybody around them being the victim. In fact, even with, you know, Gorse's um, uh, injury that she had, where the other dog ran up to her and, and bit her. Yeah, we think about Gorse being the victim there, but actually... I see a bigger victim in that situation. And that is the other dog, because that dog found themselves in a situation where they didn't have the skills to deal with it. They didn't have the optimism. They didn't have the big enough bucket, right? They didn't have the brain that could go from zero to 20, zero to 40, zero to 50, rather than zero to 100 and bite. And in turn, they then get blamed in turn they then become the villain and actually they were the victim all along and so this podcast is about spreading the word and getting real life results for each and every dog even those dogs, yeah, that have previously been labelled as the villain, which might have been your dog. You might have been kicked out of some training classes over the years. Totally fine. You're welcome here. <laughs> and so if you know somebody that would find this podcast useful, please share it, please leave us a review. And what we're doing to celebrate the, the launch of the Help My dog, dog podcast is when you share it, when you leave a review, um, what happens is that you get put into a prize draw, okay? And the prize is you could win a behavior consult with one of my team. Okay. So with a behaviorist that does this day in, day out, transforming the behavior of dogs, whatever struggle you might have, or you might actually win and you might just want a dog that will walk even, even better on lead, right? It doesn't matter. No problem is too big or too small. And so when you leave a review on, you know, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I don't think, Dave, iTunes is a thing anymore. It might be like showing my age, but, um, Then you get put into the prize draw and we're going to pick one um, winner every month um, who leaves a review. It's not based on whether it's a good review or not. This is not bribery. okay? I would say if it's bribery, sometimes I'll say this is bribery, please do it. Right. Um, But the reality is we just want to spread the word. So. We've got a dog that is struggling with optimism, struggling with a small bucket, and um, struggling with this zero to 100 um, reactions to things. And that literally was Little Gorse a few months ago. And she also had injuries that you know were, were painful. And so that in itself was something that we had to consider. And the biggest gift that you can give your dog in that moment, yeah, there are so many gifts that we can give your dog, and we'll share them in future episodes. But the biggest gift that you can give your dog is actually give them a break because, as we talked about as we you know identified um with the the structure of the brain is you've got brain changes happening so you've got this amygdala that is overactive right it's it's super reactive it's upped its activity you've got the prefrontal cortex that can't do its job because these connections are just like all over the place whereas normally there would be this descending control on that little reptile that is within all of us that results in us overreacting and i don't know shouting at our spouses or whatever else that might happen and And one of the biggest things that's going to repair this is, first of all, time, okay, after a trauma. So just giving time for the bucket to empty for a dog to actually think, you know what, the world's not so bad for them to, you know, just generally take a sigh, do a shake off, right? Just relax. Um, But the second thing is the absence of something bad happening, first and foremost. The absence of something bad and those of you that can hear tapping it's me writing on the whiteboard and so if ever you know often there'll be like diagrams and resources that that go alongside these podcast um episodes and if ever you're like oh i can hear him you know writing i wonder what he's drawing or writing then head to our social media um channels whether that be facebook um, Instagram, TikTok. You basically you'll find us on there. Uh, Help my dog, and um, and you know you can then see w- what's going on as well. So the absence of something bad because. What we've got to realise is that this amygdala is like looking for the villain, yeah? It's looking for the thing that caused fear, discomfort, pain, trauma, panic, and looking to avoid that. And so if we were to think about what this brain, what question this brain is asking itself all the time is, where's the threat? Where's the threat and how can I avoid it? Where's the danger and how can I avoid that danger? That's why your dog is reacting to other dogs on walks or people on walks is because they're going around every corner saying, where's the danger? Where's the threat? And that's why they're vigilant, that's why they're not listening to you when you recall them or you ask them to walk nicely on lead or whatever else. Because they can't even process that because their brain is saying, I'm in a war zone and we need to transform that first and foremost. And when a brain is asking itself the question, where's the threat? The challenge is, is that the villains don't need to reappear. Because anything that's slightly strange, slightly ambiguous, slightly different, just... From silence to a knock, from um, from not seeing from the field being empty to someone walking into the field when your dog's in there, that's novel. That's new. The brain's going, "Where's the threat?" and the brain goes, "There's the threat, right? I see it right there. Something wasn't there a second ago, and now it's there." And so, what we've got to do is just give them a break, and that doesn't mean you know try and avoid um, other dogs if you know if it's your dog's reacted to other dogs that probably means actually simplify their life right now that probably means consider that this brain's looking for a, a villain yeah and so we need to go above and beyond in just making their life comfortable limiting exposure to things generally and in turn then the brain can go ah. then the reptilian brain can go okay maybe it's not a war zone then the prefrontal cortex can go okay let's get some control on this thing again yeah um and you know your dog can remember they are a mammal you are a mammal harry right um and so um, and <laughs> i don't know why that i've not even seen harry potter but i know that's a thing okay if you've got any harry potter fans and you want to email, just email the cringe at helpmy.dog email address. If you can explain that to me, um, because I don't know what I'm saying. I might be saying something rude. Who knows? Um, Then you're going to get this sigh. Then you're going to get this shake off. Then you're going to get a dog that's receptive to learning. And the cool thing about that is that then we've got a platform, a foundation, where we can teach that dog the skills that it needs to go out there and conquer the world. Yeah, where we can change that question from where's the threat to, where's the opportunity? Where's the cool thing? Where's the you know? Where's the opportunity for me to feel like a superhero? And when you've got a dog that's going through the world being like, hmm, I'm a superhero. Where's the opportunity here? You get a calm, well-behaved dog that is resilient to whatever that world throws at them right and that's what we're going to be doing across this whole journey that's what i'm going to be sharing with you with gorse in each episode telling you what she's been doing each week how we've progressed the good the bad and the ugly some weeks we won't progress some weeks i'll probably cry that's called the dog owning journey and we need to start normalizing this conversation and that's why we created the help my dog podcast now guys little recap first of all Please subscribe to this podcast, because then it means you get notified of each subsequent episode, Um, and they're going to be weekly. They're going to land on Wednesday. And second thing, leave us a review. Um, One, because you might win something. And two, because actually that normalizes the conversation further, yeah? Sometimes owners are embarrassed because they've been shamed. They've not been shamed by me. They've not been shamed by you. And actually, the more we start talking about this and saying, you know what, sometimes... I want to curl up and pretend that I don't own my dog because they've just run through the vet waiting room with my knickers from the day before. Yeah. Then actually people can start to go, Oh, I get it now. I feel better now. Yeah. Or it could be worse. And um, if you've got an, it could be worse story, then please, please, please share it. Um, one, because they are eye-opening and slightly shocking. Um, and two, because again, we normalize the conversation and it's really entertaining and, um, I'm loving the, the kind of family feel of, um, of, you know, every the everyone being part of the help my dog community um. All you got to do is cringe at helpmy.dog and and we'll be open to any and every story. They do get filtered. My understanding is that there were some that were filtered because they are so not appropriate Um, that it wasn't appropriate for the first episode, but maybe for the second episode. Um, So we'll see you next time. That was the Help My Dog podcast. I hope you got some value. I hope you found it useful. It was action-packed. So again, if you need to watch this back again and again and again, then do so and we will see you next week.